This podcast is sponsored by Pacific Biocontrol, trusted leader in pheromone mating disruption and a top choice for naval orangeworm management. For more information, visit www.pacificbiocontrol.com. Welcome to My Ag Life, where we cover your world in agriculture. This podcast is powered by your top publications in the industry, West Coast Nut, Progressive Crop Consultant, and Organic Farmer Magazines. Here is your host, Jason Scott, publisher and CEO. Hi, and welcome to My Ag Life. Today we're talking with Joel Siegel, USDA Agriculture Research Service Entomologist. Joel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Nervous, as always, before harvest. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Joel is one of the leading research experts on naval orange worm and net crops. Um, And like I said before, you're one of the key entomologists at USDA Agriculture Research Services for naval orange worms. So, Joel, let's start with an overview about why naval orange worm is such an important pest in almonds and other net crops. Okay, one I'd say naval orange worm is an immigrant success story. It probably originated on the border between Mexico and Arizona. And in 1922, it was first discovered in Arizona as a pest on fallen naval oranges. That's how you get the name. So they thought it was going to be the next new citrus pest, and it never really um, panned out that way. In 1942, it was first recovered from California down in the L.A. region, and by 1949, it was as far north as Tehama. So it really exploded through California, got established, and originally it was a walnut pest, shifted over to almonds. Today, I would say it's probably the number one uh, moth pest for almonds, pistachios, and it's reemerging as a pest of walnuts as well. So wow. the type of damage, the damage that you get is direct damage. It's feeding on the kernels. You're getting the kernels hollowed out. You're getting grass in the nuts. Nobody wants to get a nut that has a flight larva in it after roasting. And there's also indirect damage in that it's opening the nuts up to fungal contamination in the field and the fungi in the group Aspergillus can produce aflatoxin, so then it becomes a food quality issue as well. So again, we have the direct damage to the kernels, and you can get losses if it's not controlled of 30 40% at the processor, which means that we always, in our minds, we double whatever the damage is at the processor because a lot of the nuts are so destroyed in the, in the field that they're blown out during the harvesting process. So that's why it's very important in these nut crops. Absolutely. So in a recent article that you wrote for West Coast uh, Nut Magazine, you talked about some basic truths growers need to understand related to pest populations and insecticides and putting together an effective control program for an evil orange worm. What are those truths? And why are they important to remember? Okay, my number one truth for sampling insects is I call it myself my cockroach theory of trapping, which is there's always more out there than you're catching. 
So whatever you think you're catching, whatever you think the population is, is more of them. So the population is always bigger than you think it is. The trouble with insecticide spraying is it always looks good. You follow the spray rig, you see this cloud going through the orchard. You can see a cloud above the trees. You're going, oh my God, we're getting everything. It's drifting all over. Unfortunately, just because you see the cloud over the tree doesn't mean that it's in the tree where you want it to be. So again, looks are deceiving. Coverage always looks wonderful, even when it's not. If you're going to get failure, failure typically starts in the top of the tree. So if you take a look at walnuts that can get up to 70 feet tall, if we're dealing with almonds that can easily get up to 25 foot tall, pistachios 20 feet tall, getting that coverage in the nuts in the upper region of the canopy is very challenging and it always is worse than you think it is. In terms of reaction time, for timing, a lot of people think that they're ready to start, but then spray rigs break down, machinery, there are problems. So often it takes longer or you start later than you want to. So again, there's always that issue of what's your reaction time, and that's critical. And finally, when you're dealing with this, little mistakes can have a big consequence. If somebody's off a little bit in their mixing, so you're putting the wrong concentration out, so it's too dilute. If someone makes a mistake and they're spraying one row with twice as much and they're ignoring the next row, all of these things can add up to problems over time. So again, you're dealing with these moving pieces and each piece is important. And if you screw up on one of the pieces, it has an impact on the success of your application. We'll be right back after this conversation with our sponsor, Pacific Biocontrol. Hi, and welcome to My Ag Life. Today we are talking with Janine Larimore with Pacific Biocontrol Corporation. Janine is a technical sales representative for the company. How are you doing today, Janine? I'm doing excellent. Thanks, Jason. Okay, well, hey, let's talk a little bit about navel orange worm and how mating disruption affects navel orange worm. My first question to you is, what have you seen this season with navel orange worm and mating disruption adoption? Well, this winter, more growers were able to access their orchards and sanitize better than in 2019, which was fantastic. We are still experiencing a, a pretty significant NOW flight and are watching numbers closely as we approach whole split. Um, mating disruption is an excellent additional tool for NOW management, and we are certainly seeing an increase in adoption, not only in the South Valley, but also in the mid-state areas and in the Northern Sacramento Valley orchards. What kind of efficacy are you experiencing in the field with your Isolate Miss NOW product? We are seeing excellent results up and down the state. So our replicated trials that are monitored closely are showing nearly 100% trap shutdown, which is to be expected. And in 2019, we saw a 46% reduction in egg laying and a 75% reduction in injury at harvest time in comparison to a grower standard that didn't have pheromone. Now for this year, our formulation is reducing egg laying by 70%, 
in that same trial and we're anticipating excellent results come harvest time. Our goal with this trial was to answer these questions about egg laying and population dynamics and how isomate has a long-term impact on population reduction in almond and pistachio orchards. And for right now, we, we just couldn't be more pleased with this product. So let's talk about economics. You often hear that term when you talk about mating disruption. How can mating disruption fit into a grower's program economically? You know, well, price point is always a concern for growers, and especially since this is an added tool to their program and it's not intended to replace their insecticide sprays. So fortunately for growers, the cost came down this last season and then can be a little better fit for their operations now. Um, but the, the numbers show that in almonds, say, NOW damage greater than 1.5% causes a loss in returns that can easily pay for mating disruption and put money in the grower's pocket. And that's, you know, that's certainly something to pencil out for them. What would you say to a grower who has never used mating disruption before? Well, the quick answer to that is it is a lot simpler than you think, and we've made it even easier for the grower. Um, Isomate Miss Now was developed to assemble and deploy in the orchards very quickly. We create a custom placement map for each block for their grower. Um, our mist units are lightweight and they're easily hung in the trees at a rate of one unit per acre. Um, they last at least 225 days for the season. And for our pistachio growers, we can map to the male trees if that's better for their operations. Um, I will say often when I check back in with my first time customers, they'll tell me how surprised they are at how fast the process went. Um, most growers think that it's going to take a long time to deploy, but it really doesn't. Um, so for example, a block that say is 50 acres might take a grower maybe two hours. A 200 acre ranch might take, you know, three to four hours with two people. Um, if, if it's a several thousand acre ranch and operation, you know, they're looking at probably a week's time commitment um, for, you know, getting their crew across the field and depending on how many people they put in the field. But you know, I will say for Pacific Biocontrol, we, we really pride ourselves in excellent customer service and product support. And, and that's not only to our growers, but also to our PCAs in the field that are looking over these orchards. You know, we realize that there's a learning curve when it comes to implementing a pheromone program and we're always here to help. Our boots are in the field all season and we like to provide in-season field checks with written reports you know, so growers know and can be confident that their investment is working for them all season long. So if a grower or PCA is interested in Pacific Biocontrol, where can they find more information? Do you guys have a website? We do. Our website is pacificbiocontrol.com, all one word. And all our technical reps are listed on there and you're welcome to either email us or give us a call and we're happy to meet and get together and explain the program a little further. Wonderful. This is Jason Scott reporting for My Ag Life. Hi, we're back. We're talking with Joel Siegel, entomologist with USDA Agriculture Research Services. Joel, um, what can we turn the component of Okay. If you're dealing with almonds, the cornerstone of your naval orange room program is sanitation. And sanitation is important for several reasons. One, 
is we're getting those mummy nuts off the tree. If those mummy nuts are already infested, if there are eggs that were laid on them early in stir larvae, you're getting them off the tree, down on the ground, you're destroying them, you're wiping out the orange worm. Two, those mummy nuts are a resource. So when the naval orange worm is flying in late winter, going into early spring, and those females are looking to lay eggs, they're going to be laying eggs on the mummies. And if there are very few to no mummies in the orchard, naval orange worm is not going to get established. Three, if we forget about naval orange worm from the processor point of view and quality, they have to sort out those mummy nuts from the fresh crop this year. So they have to get rid of those nuts because of color issues, flavor issues. If they have fung fungi on them, they can contaminate the clean crop. So from a quality control point of view, a processor does not want a lot of mummies winding up in the new crop. So when you take a look at it and you say sanitation, the benefits that it's impacting your ability to control naval orange worm, because we're taking away their resource, we're taking away that standing population. And from a processor point of view, their job is easier because there's less of these old mummies, those old crop nuts that have to get sorted out as they're going down the line. So we're starting off with sanitation. Now, in terms of quality, consumers are very, very important. And overall, consumers want less insecticide inputs, less chemical inputs into their food. So a new technology that's available is mating disruption. And the promise of mating disruption is you're using the insect's own pheromones, its chemical communication, against it. So in the case of the naval orange worm mating disruption, basically by putting out one component of its sex pheromone, we have a bunch of confused males in that they're getting basically, their behavior is altered because their ability to smell the female is getting overwhelmed. So you're decreasing the ability to get successful mating. So you're decreasing the amount of fertilized eggs that are going into the orchard. We still have insecticide sprays, which are very important. And again, as you would expect, you're getting that insecticide on the nut. And what that's doing is if there are eggs laid on the nut, the insecticide is killing the eggs. You're also laying a carpet down on that nut, a chemical protective carpet, so that any eggs being laid on this carpet get killed because the insecticide gets absorbed into the egg. Or when that little larva, I'm gonna, I can't use the word worm. Everybody calls them worms, but I'm an entomologist. Right. I'm not allowed to do that. I'll call it the, the newly emerged larva. As it's crawling on that insecticide, it absorbs it and gets killed or it takes a bite. So we have these impacts. And finally, we come down to the fourth component, which is harvest. Now we use the word timely harvest because you can argue, wow, why don't I just shake the nuts a month early? Well, if we shake the nuts off the tree a month early, they're not mature yet, they're not ready. 
So the element of timely harvest means that when these nuts are ready to come off the tree, we get them off as quickly as possible and we get them to the processor. So for something like almonds, that means shaking the nuts onto the ground where they then dry. For pistachios, the nuts are caught in a catch frame. But again, it's the idea that the longer you leave a nut out there, once it's mature and vulnerable, you're increasing the odds that it can get infested by naval orange worm. So the four pieces are let's knock down the population and ensure that we have no, hand, no carryover nuts. We're using mating disruption to confuse disrupt mating so there's less input that way. We have our insecticide carpet that we've laid down to protect the nuts on the tree. And finally, we're mobilizing to get them out of the orchard as quickly as possible once they're ready. Right. So it seems like it's really important that all these things work together. Can you tell us, can you kind of summarize why that's so critical for naval orange Okay. If you take a look at it, if we fail in sanitation, we're dealing with a high carryover population. If we have a higher population, that disrupts the ability of mating disruption to be effective because there are more moths out there and it increases the chances that the males find the females. If we're dealing with that higher population, there's more pressure coming onto the nuts. So now any gap in your insecticide coverage will get discovered by these um, naval orange ones. So if there are enough of them out there, they can find all the flaws in the coverage. And finally, if you're breaking down and delaying getting the nuts out there, the insecticide is degrading over time, the population is increasing. Again, you're just decreasing the likelihood that your protection is going to be successful. So again, if you think of a piece of machinery and you can't randomly pull some of the gears out and expect it to still work, so we have these four pieces, the sanitation, mating disruption, insecticide sprays, and harvest, and how do they work together? Again, with sanitation, what we're doing is we're impacting what the standing population is going to be. So if sanitation fails, there are more insects out there that we have to worry about. So that increases the pressure on every other part of the system. So again, if there are more moths, it's easier for them to find each other, which undercuts mating disruption. If mating disruption is undercut, we're also having more moths out there, and they can find all the little spots that the insecticide missed. They can find all the problems in your insecticide coverage. It's like going out to sea in a leaky boat. Right? If you're going out when it's calm, you can be bailing the water out and you can keep ahead of things. If you go out in that leaky boat in the middle of the storm, you get swamped and you get flooded. So if we're dealing with this higher population, it has an impact on mating disruption becomes less effective. Your insecticides are less effective because those moths can find the gaps in the coverage. And then finally, it comes down to timely harvest and the probability that a nut will get infested. The longer 
a mature nut is out there, the greater the opportunity a navel orange room has to find it. So if we're dealing with a higher population and we're leaving the nuts on the tree longer, again, they have more opportunity to infest the nuts. So you can see how these pieces all fit together and you can see that a breakdown in any one or two of those components will have an impact on the other two as well. Right, absolutely. So you mentioned sprays. How important is coverage? Well, if we take a look at something like a tree and we're spraying by ground, we do a good job lower. And what happens is that spray has to go higher and higher, coverage decreases. So typically you're getting less insecticide on the tree at 18 to 20 feet than you are at 10 feet. And you can see the breakdown if you're using indicator cards. I can tell you from my own work that I can show you significant differences in coverage over a distance as short as 10, 12 inches. So again, the higher you go, the lower the amount of insecticide you're getting on the tree. You can reverse it. An air application is the mirror image. So if you're applying insecticide by air, you're getting most of the insecticide in the top of the tree. And as it's trying to penetrate the canopy and going lower, that's where you get your loss. So again, for ground application, Failure begins in the top of the tree. So if we're taking a look at almonds, where more of the crop is in the upper canopy than the lower canopy, that can be devastating because your coverage is breaking down where more of the nuts that you want to protect are located. So do you have some tips? We're always looking for ways to improve. Do you have tips for growers on improving coverage? Yes, and this goes all the way back to Jack Dibble, who's the guru in California for spray application. He spent his entire career taking a look, and for these ground applications, Jack Dibble basically stated, do not go faster than two miles an hour for air blast sprayers. What happens if you go faster? It impacts your ability to cover the upper canopy. So people would love to go three miles an hour. I've documented it. If you go from 1.8 to 2.2 miles per hour, your coverage goes down by 30% overall. So the faster you go, the more loss you get. So the number one thing to think about is slow it down to two miles an hour. Jack Dibble probably promoted that starting in the 60s. And people have been screaming about it ever since, but he's right. Slow, Slow it down. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> yes. Two, two miles an hour. It's like the speed of light. For air blast, spray, air, um, air blast sprayers, don't go faster than two. So that's the number one thing you can do. All right. Another thing you can, another thing you can think about is water volume. If you're dealing with tall trees, you're going to need more water than if you're dealing with younger trees. For my own purposes, the least amount of water I would ever use in almonds is 150 gallons per acre. For the taller trees, go up to 200 gallons per acre. Again, 
you're getting better coverage with more water volume. Okay. Well, appreciate those tips. My next question for you is about resistance, right? A big bad word in agriculture. Just like a lot of these other pests, uh, we have insecticide resistance. What are some of your thoughts on managing insecticide resistance for NOW? Okay, the number one rule for managing resistance is you do not want to treat succeeding generations of navel orange worm with the same family of insecticide. So what you're doing is you're rotating families, which is rotating the mode of action so that for each generation. So for the sake of argument, if I'm treating mummies with one family of insecticide, and then I'm dealing with my vulnerable new crop almonds, I'm not going to spray them with the same family of insecticide I'm rotating through. Now, as these different generations go through, and I have a later maturing variety, I'm using a different family of insecticide. So depending on the amount of sprays that you're doing, as long as you're treating the same generation, you could use the same family twice. When we're dealing with these different generations of navel orange worm, we need to rotate to a new family of insecticide, which means we're rotating to a new mode of action. Okay. Let's talk a, let's talk a little bit about gearing up for harvest. Can you discuss timely harvest as part of the overall navel orange worm pro- program and what tips for growers would you have there for them? Well, one of the challenges now for naval orange worm control is the success of the nut industry because we have all this expansion in acreage. At the same time, trucking, harvesting equipment hasn't necessarily kept pace. So one of the issues is scheduling. So again, where I work with the people I work with in pistachios, they're shaking in the overnight as well. So what they're doing in terms of timely is the scheduling. They have the lights. They're following the state regulations. But they're basically running multiple shifts and harvesting through the, um, through the dark hours to get that crop off the tree safely as quickly as possible. For something like almonds, one of the challenges is typically a typical practice is you're shaking the almonds on the ground and they're staying on the ground for 10 days to dry, then you're picking them up. If you're dealing with equipment problems, I know instances where they've stayed on the ground for three weeks. The longer they stay on the ground, the increase the uh, possibility of having ant damage And ants can be devastating. I mean, that's a great resource, all of these almonds on the ground. So again, part of that overall strategy is what's your ant control program. You know, when you're getting that done during the season, you're not suddenly jumping to ant control right before harvest. So again, it's these pieces. And right now, until the infrastructure increases, logistics are going to be a challenge. You know, so it's an issue of what can you do to line things up so that you have the equipment 
you're meeting the schedule of the processor in terms of when they're able to get the trucks over. So again, what you have to do is be prepared, plan things out in advance, and again, be aware of the fact that there can be these infrastructure crunches and what are you willing to do to compensate since it's harvesting, you know, through the evening. Well, this has been great information, Joel. I really appreciate your time today in discussing uh, a topic and a test that uh, I completely agree with you. It is a big issue for the tree nut industry. Um, anything else you'd like to discuss um, regarding almonds or pistachio growers that they need to know to understand related to uh, naval orange worm management practices? I think the key ultimately to success, and it'll be for other aspects of farming as well, is to be nimble. So I would be meeting with my PCA by February. I'd have my action plan for my insecticides gone over. I get my orders in. I would certainly try to get my insecticides lined up by end of February. And again, depending for people that have to do, you know, winter sprays and doing it beforehand. But a lot of this is going to be ultimately getting your material ordered in advance, way in advance, not like a week or two before spraying. And a lot of it also is going to be taking a look at your spraying. I would tell you that what you want to be able to do is spray your operation properly within a five-day interval. You know, I tell people seven, I really want them to go five. So does that mean buying an extra spray rig? Does it mean hiring? People have to be thinking about this beforehand. But again, I think agriculture in California is going to be moving to things being planned in advance, people being nimble, getting all of your material ordered and available. And that would really be the end of what I would have to, you know, advocate for people. This is Jason Scott reporting for My Ag Life. Thanks for listening. Subscribe for updates on new episodes, exclusive content, and more at myaglife.com.